Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Counter Melody. I'm your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am so excited to bring you this week's episode. Before I do that, let me just offer a huge thank you to everyone who listened to my interview last week with Ira Sif. We had such a good time, and I hope that you who listened to it had a good time as well. Now, for this week's episode, I was tempted for about 30 seconds to do a patriotic 4th of July episode. But instead, I've decided to devote this episode to Norma. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy. No, not death, Norma! Oh! 
That was Lawrence Welk's Champagne Girl, Norma Zimmer, leading us in a rousing version of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. That's exactly what we're not going to be dealing with on this episode today. Instead, we're turning to Vincenzo Bellini's bel canto masterpiece, Norma. You'll notice the flipped R, and specifically the live performances that Renata Scotto gave in the 1970s. Ira and I spoke quite a bit about Renata Scotto. He saw her many times. She was an artistic beacon for him. I'm pleased to say that I think that her reputation has risen in recent years again, and we are able to assess exactly what made her so great. You probably heard in those little bits with which we counteracted Norma Zimmer's warblings. That's what they are. But from Renata Scotto we get much more than warbling. We get a fully fleshed out character of an extremely complex woman. Norma is a druid priestess who has secretly been carrying on with a Roman general. Of course, the Romans are the sworn enemies of the druids. Let's think of it as West Side Story at Stonehenge. Norma has borne two children to Polione in secret. The only one who knows about this is her handmaiden Clotilde, who helps her to keep the children safe and concealed and fed and all of that. But when we first encounter Norma at the beginning of the opera, we see her in her position as don't fuck with me fellas, druid priestess. The druids are all about starting a war with the Romans and Norma is saying, wait a minute, you people, you warmongers, you, what are you thinking? This is not the time or the place for that. I insist that we have peace and I will cut this sacred branch of mistletoe and sing this wonderful invocation to the chaste goddess the moon. The performance that I'm going to play of Renata Scotto singing the Casta Diva the most famous bel canto aria, perhaps, is from her first assumption of the role in 1974 in Torino. And Giuseppe Patanè is the conductor. Look, Casta Diva's always a very vulnerable moment for those who sing the title role of Norma. Joan Sutherland could sing 
a bang-up Casta Diva, but she had nothing, nothing that was required for the rest of the opera in terms of dramatic commitment, word painting. She had none of that. Montserrat Caballé was also a compromised Norma in a very different way than Scotto or Sutherland, as Ira and I discussed. She has one magical performance from Orange with Josephine Vizi as Adalgisa and John Vickers, of all people, as Polione. And the Mistral is going on and you watch this video because you can see the video and I recommend you all take a look at it. Caballé is standing there in this windstorm, the veils blowing as she sings this unbelievable version of the Casta Diva. The version that I'm going to play for you is not quite at that level, but it definitely is Scotto's best performance of the Casta Diva, in my opinion. Now, once the Casta Diva is done, Norma sings privately to herself of her fervent wish that Polione, her lover, return to her. Mm -hmm. 
Earlier in the opera, we have been introduced to Polione. He is the Roman general, of course, with whom Norma has been carrying on and has spawned two offspring. This is a difficult role. It really is. Polione has to appear at the very top of the opera, let out a high C, sing with a good deal more flexibility than a singer of that vocal weight normally has. We had spoken of Sutherland before. In her 1960 recording of the opera, very early on in her traversal of that part, her polione is the U.S. American tenor John Alexander. Now, Ira and I spoke of John Alexander last week. I've spoken of John Alexander before. I think he is a truly magnificent singer. He had an enormously eclectic range and repertoire. He is a dynamite polione, and as we discussed, he sang it with nearly every Norma of note in that period, from Beverly Sills to Caballé to Shirley Verrett to Rita Hunter to Renata Scotto herself. I'm going to play you a truncated version of his opening scene from two different performances that John Alexander gave in the early 1970s. The first one is from a performance in San Francisco opposite Joan Sutherland. Here he is singing the cavatina of the scene which occurs near the top of the opera. Thank you. 
And now just for fun, I'm going to play the Cabaletta from his performance in 1971 opposite Beverly Sills. I believe these were her first Normas. These performances were with the Opera Company of Boston in June of 1971. And here is John Alexander at a very brisk tempo, set by that legendary and trailblazing figure in opera, Sarah Caldwell. The Cabaletta to the scene. the druid novice Adalgisa in Scotto's 1978 Houston performances. This was sung by Tatiana Troianos, whom we just encountered two weeks ago in our Sisters in Sappho episode. I think that Troianos was at her very best in the bel canto repertoire, and poor Adalgisa doesn't really get an aria, but she gets to sing this little arioso before Polione shows up and tries to get her to agree to leave the priestesshood and join him in Rome. But here's Tatiana singing her little bit De Proteggimi Oddio. This is a November 1978 performance from Houston. Thank you. 
Now, the Polione in that Houston performance is not John Alexander. I think he's such an exceptional singer that I would like you to hear him singing Polione in this performance opposite Shirley Verrett as Adalgisa. The norma in these performances was Mozart Caballé, and Shirley Verrett was preparing to make her first performances in the title role of Norma. As you hear in this excerpt, she inserts a lot of extraordinary high notes, proving what exceptionally good vocal shape she was in. She went on to sing the role on tour with the Metropolitan Opera that spring. I've played an excerpt of a house recording of a portion of that. John Alexander is her polione there as well. This is from the broadcast performance in February 1976, with the two of them, Shirley Verrett and John Alexander, in exceptional shape. Abandonar, ni così potresti abandonar. 
scene we find Norma at home with her confidant Clotilde and her two children. She sings of the conflict in which she finds herself, the inability to make a valid choice between her duties as a priestess and her responsibilities as a mother. Here is where we get to hear Scotto at her most compelling in all of these recitativo sections in the opera, which are so crucial. This is where the true character of Norma is revealed. (laughs) 
For this section, I am using her performance with Riccardo Muti in Firenze from December 1978. The Sediziose Voci, which we heard at the very beginning of the episode, was also with Muti from Firenze. follows immediately the first big duet scene with Adalgisa. Adalgisa is issued in to Norma's quarters and reveals that she is in love and she is therefore in conflict since she is required by her vows to remain chaste. And Norma herself has an incredible reminiscence of what it was like for her when she first fell in love. And she tells Adalgisa that all will be well, 
that she is not irrevocably tied to her vows and that she may go off with whatever young druid man has uh, presented himself to her. This is from the Houston performance with Scotto, Tatiana Troianos, and Nicola Rechino conducting the Houston Grand Opera forces.
Now it's time for my little uh, self-promotion. I'm leaving out a couple scenes from the opera, and those will be published in a bonus episode for all of my Patreon subscribers. include the trio at the end of Act One, and I will include the most famous excerpt from the opera, the Mironorma duet with Troianos and Scotto from the Houston performances. And yes, I do have a Patreon page. It's the way that I'm drumming up support so that I can continue to produce the podcasts. You may find it by visiting patreon.com slash countermelody, and you can pledge any monthly amount that you wish, from $2 to, (laughs) should you feel so inspired, $200, why not? I'm sure all of you are feeling so, uh, what's the word? Solvent? (laughs) Yes, we're all feeling so solvent these days. Not. But listen, there are other ways you can support me as well. You may go to any of the podcast platforms and subscribe, rate, and review my podcast so that more and more people find out about the joys and wonders of Counter Melody. I thank you for that, and if you are able to provide financial support, I thank you for that as well. Now, let's resume our discussion of Norma. The next scene is the scene in which Norma, awake in the night, is about to murder her two sons. She has various reasons for doing this. First of all, she recognizes that if they are discovered and taken to Rome, they will live the life of slaves and be tortured and abused and the usual things that happen to slaves. She also wants to get revenge on Polione because she's so infuriated at him for going off with this young priestess. Yes, that's why poor Norma has her big hissy fit, because she finds out at the end of the first act just who this fellow that Adalgisa has been consorting with is. So she sings this amazing recitative and arioso where every aspect of the character is revealed. 
I'm going to use the Moody performances again from December 1978. Scotto is in less firm voice than she was in uh, Houston the month before. Maybe she's getting a little tired from doing all these damn normas. It's understandable, of course. But man, I just think that the tightness that she and Moody achieve and the many different colors with which she paints the character here are extraordinary.
This is the part where she demands that Clotilda bring Adalgisa to her and she begs Adalgisa to take the children for her and Adalgisa says, no, I'm not going to do that. Look at these two children. They're yours. You must remain a mother to them. And then they sing their duet of eternal friendship. De fino all'ore estrema. Again, I'm not going to play that today just because the episode is so long already, but you will find that on a bonus episode that will probably be going up in the next week. And it will be with Renata and Tatiana, that unmatchable bel canto duo. They're not perfect singers, either one of them. Well, Tatiana's practically a perfect singer. But they achieve such a wonderful singularity of purpose. It's an absolutely beautiful performance. But for now, we're going to jump ahead slightly to the scene where Norma appears again at the sacred place of the druids rituals and she sings with great confidence that Adalgisa, true to her promise, will be able to get Polione to return to Norma e tornerà. But sadly, Clotilde comes running in in quite the tizzy because Polione has refused, even though Adalgisa has rejected him, he has refused to the, well, it's almost a command, to return to Norma. And being the proud male and all of this, he says there's no way he's going to do this. So when Norma finds this out, she turns on a dime and she's like, God damn it, we are going to kill all of those Romans. I've had it. So she does prove herself to be a little bellicose, perhaps. But, I mean, she is a druid priestess, after all. They were known for their rather savage treatment of their enemies.
in Polione. They've captured him. And Polione does not realize that the person who's responsible for his fate is Norma. And so at the extended excerpt that we are about to hear, Norma comes walking in. She says, I'll deal with this person. And he's like, what do I see here? Norma? And she says, yes, Norma. That's right. It's me. Hmm. Then there's this amazing duet. Takes her down to the very lowest part of her range. So those normas that slant in the mezzo direction, such as Shirley Verrett, Grace Bumbry, this is usually their choice moment. And of course, Maria, who had such a compelling low register. And I must say, I think Scotto does an amazing job here as well. Let me just outline the rest of the opera, and then I'll play it all for you. She threatens at the end of this duet that she's going to call all the druids together and tell them about Polione's perfidy, but also Adalgisa's, and she will be put to death as well. And she is about to name the guilty party that is Adalgisa, and all of a sudden she says, Io, Rea, l'innocente accusar del fallo mio. How can I, the guilty one, accuse an innocent woman of my own crime? And she turns around and she says, it's me. And of course, all the druids are very upset. And they say, but that can't be. It can't possibly be. And she says, yes, in fact, it is. And I will assume the punishment. I will go to the funeral pyre willingly. And I will go with this ungrateful man who then says, I finally see your true greatness Norma. And she then has to turn to her father, Oroveso, who is another of the big druid priests, and she says to him, oh, by the way, I've got two children. And he's like, get the fuck away from me, bitch. She's like, please don't let my children suffer because of what I did wrong. And finally, he gives in and she says, now I can die in peace. And she and Polione mount the funeral pyre And she, in a rare show of responsibility for a leader, accepts the punishment for having been untrue to her vows. The performance of the final scene is done with John Alexander as Polione and the Opera Company of Philadelphia in January 1978.
Ascolto began and ended the year 1978 with the role of Norma. January in Philadelphia, November in Houston, and December in Firenze. Ascolto was not a flawless singer, but she has this ability, the way that she brings the drama to life through her utterance, particularly, but not exclusively, in recitative, is what made her such an exceptional norma. And I think that we've heard that in all of these excerpts that I've given you. I've decided that I'm going to not take any months off this summer, but I'm going to give myself a little bit of a decreased workload. Next week, we'll do a special Bastille Day episode. It's an episode that I've had planned for a while on French glamour. So there is a wide range of beautiful and glamorous French singers that we'll be hearing next week. Then after that, I'm going to bring you a summer series of great opera singers in crossover material. I'll say no more about it at present. Just know that I have got some doozies ready to give to you, and you guys are just going to flip with delight over these great performances. And speaking of crossover, here is our own Renatina singing Send in the Clowns by Stephen Sondheim from A Little Night Music. And when she says, don't bother there here, God knows. <laughs> We're certainly dealing with a lot of clowns out there these days and very toxic, virulent, and dangerous clowns.
Until next time, my dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kuntlach, and I'll see you next week.